This is information that I would have really loved to have many, many moons ago when I was asking these kind of questions and nobody could really give me any definitive answers. Welcome to the Liminal Zone Alchemist, the podcast for when you're stuck between the patterns of your past and the pull of your purpose. I'm your host, Sally Hardy, and each week I'll be challenging your understanding of what it is to be a human in the modern world. I'll help you free your innate genius from the socialized shadows, reconnect with your inner knowing and lean into that pool, letting your purpose guide and support you with ease to the impact that only you can make in the world. Okay, get comfy, set your brain to curious, and let's get on with the episode. Hello, lovely beans. I'm back again in your ears, you lucky, lucky creatures. This week, a... Um, kind of like a like an alpha A type fun. I would love to offer you my understanding of how you can tell whether your reaction or response to a situation is a trauma response, whether it's intuitive, whether it's your intuition, or whether it's ego-based. And this is information that I would have really loved to have many, many moons ago when I was asking these kind of questions and nobody could really give me any definitive answers. So I hope you find this of benefit. If, as you're listening to me, you find that you cannot classify yourself or your experience in any one of these descriptors, that's okay. I am contrary to popular opinion. I am not omnipresent nor omniscient. I don't know your exact situation, but what I would love to give you is enough that I hope you can see into these situations, yet you can see and feel, your body can hear me talk, and you can recognize something of yourself and your reactions within them. And if you can't, that's okay. That doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything about me. It's just that in the scope of this podcast, I might not be hitting exactly the right words that resonate with you. So this question will often come up when people are moving towards a new situation, shifting into a new period of their life. Maybe there's something that has been repeatedly coming up that that doesn't make an awful lot of sense to them. This question will come up, how do I know if I want or don't want? How do I know if I do or don't do? How do I know if what my body is telling me when I don't have a long-standing relationship with it, how do I know whether that is a trauma response or not? Very often this will come off the back of, or am I just lazy? (laughs) Or am I just weak? No, never, never. That is a socialized construct. Could your body be responding to a socialized construct? 100% but it doesn't mean that that is true about you. And I want to put that out in the first instance. You will know that your reaction to a situation is a trauma response if you recognize fear. Trauma responses are what happens within our body, what absolutely correctly happens within our body when it is exposed to a threat, to a danger, whether that danger is real or perceived, the trauma response is a physiological, biological, neurological thing that happens because we're human. But it comes because we are scared. 
And with that fear, with a trauma response, with a reaction from fear, there is a sense that it's a compulsion or maybe even possibly that it's precognition. You can't catch a thought that's leading to this. You don't quite know maybe you're not thinking that you're scared, but your body is telling you that you are under threat in some way. And when I say compulsion, it's like you are, you are internally driven to that response, which is actually what's happening. Your body is driving you to a response, whether that is to, to shrink away from something. For example, if you have moved into a space that's new, maybe you've got a lot of new exposure and something in you goes, oh, oh my God, people can see me. Perhaps your body response to that is to hide right, to provide you with a measure of protection or safety from a potential threat of visibility. But this compulsion to do it doesn't feel like it comes from your thoughts. You're not thinking, I'm visible. Your body is like, fuck, this is happening. I'm feeling very vulnerable. And this is an appropriate response for me. Your response in that situation may be different. There may be lots of different ways that you find to cope with, for example, visibility. Your reaction in a trauma response may also be disproportionate. So it might be something that your logical mind thinks, hang on a minute, this happened or I'm doing this, but how I feel is like way worse than this situation logically entails. So that trauma response is bouncing potentially off something in your lived experience, perhaps something that's epigenetic, something cultural that may be so deeply set in the back of your mind, those thick neural pathways, something that genealogically you have inherited, that it doesn't make sense to you. It's your, your response, your reaction, this compulsion, this inner driven kind of reaction to the world is your body's attempt to keep you safe in the face of a threat that you, your logical brain, may not quite understand. So it may feel disproportionate and it may feel like you have no option. So in that shrinking time, it is possible, I like to say it is, it is possible to ride over the top of a trauma response, but it is not possible to override a trauma response. And I'm gonna say that again. You can ride over the top of a trauma response, but you cannot override a trauma response. What I mean by that is you can, if I use the example again, where there's, you've, you've got visibility and your body wants to shrink, it's everything in you is screaming like you've got fire ants climbing up your insides that you just want to get away, you want to hide, you want to be under the duvet. You can ride over that and do something different, but you cannot override the fact that your body is reacting in this way. It is precognition. You can ride over the top of a trauma response. You can ignore it. You can interrupt that trauma response and do something else, which I don't recommend, but you can, because that's not necessarily learning. So when you're learning, you are activated in a measured way intentionally in the direction of your dreams. You learn to tolerate discomfort. You teach your central nervous system that there is safety in that space. That's one way of doing it. But if you entirely ride over the top of your body's response, reaction to a situation, you're telling it it's wrong. 
you're not teaching anything different. You are simply ignoring, you are interrupting what it then needs to recover from. You're interrupting that recovery. So you're likely to create a larger central nervous system response than is already there existing within your system. If you are reacting, responding, open to having intuition, this is going to feel very different. That's not to say that it's not ever going to feel scary because this intuition, this knowing, opportunities being there, wanting to take them, that's the key word, wanting to take them. It may still be scary. You might be moving into an environment that you haven't yet got the skill set for, or you, if we use the example again of, of visibility with a lot of people, perhaps that's new to you. That might be a bit scary, right? That might be a bit alarming. And you get to tend to yourself in that process. But the key to intuition is that it will take you in the direction of your desires. It's often obvious when it's intuition. I found for myself that when I have used my intuition historically, I often I haven't credited it. So it's just like, well, obviously I do that and off I would go and do it. That is intuition. When these paths or opportunities open up and the direction that you want to take is so clear to you, that is intuition, that clarity. Now remember, it is not intuition's job to take you down the easiest path. It is to take you down the path of most personal growth, greatest personal development, however you would like to phrase that for you. So the scariness that can come with intuition may also be coupled with like an expansiveness. You may feel expansive. What's key with intuition that certainly I have found is that intuition feels like a pull to. So in contrast to a trauma response, which is like a run from or a push from, I don't want to be doing that. Now I've got to hide or I don't, I don't, this just, oh, I, I, I think I have to do whatever your response is in a trauma response. There's an, there's an imperative urgency, a compulsion, a, a quick push to do it because your body has adrenaline in its system, right? With intuition, there is more often a pull. It doesn't always come gently. Sometimes it can be a very strong pull. Sometimes it can be so gentle that you don't notice it and yet you are following your intuition. Your intuition will never ask you to ignore your central nervous system. Your intuition will never put you in a position where you trust yourself less at the end of it. So it may be inconvenient and it may be illogical and it may be just entirely the wrong time for whatever it is that your intuition is nudging you towards. But at the end of the process of intuition, which may or may not be enjoyable, right? Because intuition's job isn't to take us down the easiest path. There will be a reflection of growth, personal growth that is important to you, not all the people in the world, to 
you, that is relevant to you. This is your intuition. This is your system. This is whatever you want to call it, your higher purpose, your, your, I don't know how you call it, your nudges. I have three nudges. I, I tend to require three nudges to even notice that my intuition is pointing me in the direction of something or I follow it so easily that it doesn't even occur to me often that it is intuition. I've got better at catching that now, but my three nudges will often come. Something will pass my desk. Something will be mentioned in a comment. Something, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a particular subject. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a conversation. And then a little period of time later, it'll happen again. It'll be mentioned again in a different situation. And that's when I start to pay attention, right? And on the third nudge, the third time it happens, and sometimes this could be years apart, sometimes it's minutes apart, I'm like, okay, there is something for me there. My brain is picking up on information coming from people, coming from lots of different sources. This is what it's filtering for. Okay, let's go see what's there. Now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. Intuition has curiosity baked into it. Curiosity, desire, want. Which, again, does not mean that there is no scariness there, that there is no expansion there, that there is no moving to a new space. Ah-ness there. Ah-ness. I think that's definitely a word now. <laughs> so we can deny our intuition. We can bury our intuition, just as we can bury our sense of self, just as we can bury our self-worth, just as we can deny that we trust ourselves. And the voice of your inner intuition can become more and more quiet. Your inner genius becomes less pushy, less noisy. Sometimes you have to wait a little longer to hear that intuition. And sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes your intuition gets a bit pushy. <laughs> this happens with me with the three nudges. That third nudge is usually like a big wallop on the back of the head. Like it's come on for like, how many times? How many times do you need to hear this? And I'm always fascinated by where I end up when I follow my intuition. Ego is our socialized mind. We need our ego. I'm not down with this whole like death to the ego. I no. Our socialized mind, our ego, allows us to communicate in a way that we can better humanity. It allows us to be part of a bigger social sphere than just us on our own. But when it rules the roost, right? When it's making all the rules, when our socialized self is so strong that our authenticity, if it is not approved of, gets severed, buried, covered up by mountains and mountains and mountains of shoulds, then that becomes something that has a net negative benefit for you, for me, for all humans. When those things get embedded into systems, get embedded into structures, that's when entire communities can have complications. They could be working like as a community from a dysregulated central nervous system because the central nervous system has been, if you like, abandoned to the you know, sort of the worship of the ego. That's not what we're working with here, right? If you're listening to me, you're aware of your central nervous system, but how do you know intuition or ego? Trauma response, I'm hoping that you've got a little sort of perspective on that now, but intuition and ego sometimes can sound very similar. 
ego is largely based in societal shoulds, right? It comes from that socialized mind. It comes from our cultured mind, how we've been trained. So if you are looking at a number of different options and one of them is the one that, let's say, for example, your parents would love. My parents would love me to become a doctor, but actually I'm really pulled to becoming, let's say, an artist or a coach, but that, but they don't recognize those as like proper professions. So I think I'll just go become a doctor because that's, you know, the ego often has status, societal status baked into it. So something that will improve your standing in the tribe, that largely is going to be ego-based. That is not to say that status in tribe is not important. That's not to say, because to our, social, our central nervous system, it really is. Our status, which is why we react so badly when it's challenged, <laughs> is an indicator in ancient times of survival. The more important you are, but not too important, but the more important you are, the more likely you were to have food, to have people around to support you, right? So status was important. Ego is concerned with increasing our status to ourselves and to the tribe. With ego, there is judgment. There is a, usually some form of threat or consequence. Like if you don't become a doctor and you do become an artist, you'll never make any money and you'll die in some dark room feeling sorry for yourself. Like it's a, there's drama with ego. There's no consequence with intuition. You can deny your intuition and it's still there. If you deny ego or if you move in the direction of intuition and it isn't what ego's keen on, ego's going to start throwing mud. So you can tell if you're making a decision based on ego because it is going to be something that pleases the tribe, it pleases other people. There is a threat or a consequence that is bedded into the should or the, or the have to. It's the social rules of the wants that you should have, not the wants that you do have or the desire for the life that you do want, but the life that you should want, right? Ego can very much be at the cost of your central nervous system. When we're moving against our wants, when we are moving into potentially activating situations, when we are riding over the top of our central nervous system's response, we are doing that against ourselves, against our central nervous system in the name of what ego believes is going to help us survive in the world. Because at some point, and this is what I really do want to emphasize, at some point that was true, right? At some point, all of the, the socialized things that we have in our head, at some point in our life, it was relevant. At some point in evolution, it was relevant. So you don't need to get pissy with it. You can just be aware of it. The shoulds and the social rules, when they are associated with your wants, that's ego. If you override the importance of your central nervous system and your true wants, whichever direction you decide to go in, at best, your results, because it is possible to get results, at best, your results are going to be short term. 
And at worst, you're going to repeat short-term results that actually don't matter to you. They matter to somebody else. You're going to repeat those results and the effect of that, the outcome of that, the long-term of that, is that your life will be somebody else's. The life that you live will be by somebody else's shoulds, somebody else's wants. And you totally get to do that if you wish. It's a choice, though. I would much rather that you made that choice than sort of fell into it by default, thinking, thinking that you really have to do what somebody else wants you to do. You don't. You don't need anybody else's permission to do anything. The long-term results that you get from repeated short-term gains that benefit others and not you is unfulfillment. It's a life lived that is not fulfilling to your personal wants. So you might have all of the shiny things, you might have all of the money, you might have all of the like the tick boxes of society, but if your life is ego-driven, if your decisions, the opportunities that you take are ego-driven, your life will fit somebody else perfectly. But it might not fit you. That does not mean that if you follow a life led by intuition that you don't get the shiny things or that you don't get to keep shiny things, if you have shiny things and you love the shiny things. Knowing what it is that you want is the thing that is going to center you into your intuition. It's the thing that is going to allow you to express to yourself the direction that you wish to move in. Your values are going to back that up. So there's an episode on values. I think it was two podcasts ago, maybe three. There's an episode on values where you can really dig into what your values are. So what to do when you're faced with a room full of opportunities and you're like, I don't know, I can't tell if I'm trauma responding, if I'm being led by intuition or if I'm being led by ego, what to do. The very first thing, which if you're asking that question, you're halfway there already because it's awareness. That very first thing is to pause. Take a moment, take a count. Take a physiological sigh. That's two short breaths in through your nose and one longer breath out. And this allows space. And when you allow yourself space, you gain perspective. Sink into your body. Does it want? Does it want this or that? Do you want to do this? Yes or no? Decisions are made in the body. The plans to support them are made in the head. So allow your body a voice. That voice will be the voice of intuition. Will you potentially also be tapping into what may be a trauma response Yes, you may. And that's okay. Because then you know, oh, hang on a minute. I see what's happening here. This is a trauma response. And when I'm in a trauma response, I understand that I cannot make a clear decision. So you can allow that 
response, it's space. Allow it to process, move through your body. And when you have completed that, then you get to ask these questions again. You get to consult with your body again. One of the most important things about consulting your body is that you wait for an answer. I've spoken about this before, but a lot of people are very impatient. We're in the digital age where things happen instantly or three seconds before you wanted them to. People want that answer right now. And sometimes it takes a little time. Maybe it takes a night's sleep. Maybe it takes a week. Maybe it takes asking the question and then not thinking about it, going out for a walk, doing something else that's thoroughly enjoyable. I promise you the answer will come. I promise you. I have had 0% of people find no answer. <laughs> this is part of being human. And how you hear your answer is going to be so bespoke to you. Again, I've spoken of this before. Perhaps it feels like expansion. Maybe it's a temperature change. Maybe it's something that you begin to notice in your environment. Maybe it's an opportunity that lands. Maybe all of these things you get to be open to, you get to be receptive to, you get to receive as curiosities. You get to follow your want. When you do this, you build a relationship of communication and a relationship that's founded on trust before you choose to move in any particular direction, whether it is ego-based, whether it is intuition, whether you recognize that this is a trauma response. Choose how you are going to treat yourself. At the end of this, no matter the outcome, I've got my own back. I know I care for me. I will show me compassion. If this is something that you haven't done in the past, it's well worth forgiving yourself and loving yourself and having a lot of compassion for choices that you made previously, whether they worked out or whether they didn't. Allowing yourself that forgiveness, that past you forgiveness, proves to your body that in the future, no matter what happens, you can afford the same compassion, the same love. At the end, at the result, at the outcome, if indeed there is one, because this may just be a directional thing, you get to look back on the data. You get to assess the information that came in, the data that came in, what your body made it mean, what your brain made it mean. You get to assess how you felt through the process. You get to check against your values. Were you within them? Maybe some of those values need a little aligning. How was it that you were outside of them in the first place, if you were? You get to ask these questions non-judgmentally. You get to use discernment. You get to use your ability to see data, to see what is in front of you without judgment. And that information is information that will fuel you the next time. If I have the slightest inkling that intuition is offering me something, I take it, even if it may be not intuition, <laughs> even if it may be something else. If intuition is saying to me, I don't really enjoy spending time with that person, I listen to it. If intuition says to me, I think this is a great opportunity for you, I listen to it. 
no matter the result of those situations, I would rather choose myself and my intuition and in little bunny ears get it wrong or have an outcome that isn't enjoyable than run the risk of not listening to my intuition. Intuition is something that adds to your life. It's not going to be something that suggests that you do something detrimental to yourself, that you do something that will damage your body, damage your brain, damage your lived experience. You may have discomfort. It may be a bumpy ride. But at the end of it, having made the decision that no matter what, you have your own back, when you look back, you get to see what you've learned. And sometimes intuition teaches, doesn't just give you the shiny thing at the end. That teaching is important because it's about you. All of this, this whole you know, intuition and the ego and the trauma responses is all about you and your body. It's all about your relationship to and with and within your body. Your experience of life is yours. You get to make it whatever you wish. And knowing the difference between a trauma response and an intuitive nudge and something that may be ego-based is going to be a really helpful way of you being the architect of your future, not falling into it by default. Because remember, your central nervous system is historic. It only knows what has happened before. So for it to be comfortable in a situation, you've got to train it to a new one. You have to spend time with it relearning. Trauma responses aren't bad. Trauma responses aren't like to be avoided. Avoid any situation that's going to create that. Choosing your challenge from want, from intuition, you may have trauma responses embedded within that. But when you are doing it intentionally with love and compassion, you are in a process, a communication with your body of learning. Like you would do with a small child. A small child who, the first time they hear a balloon pop, they're in tears. And the second time, they're in tears because it's scary. And the third and the fourth and the fifth. But maybe the tenth time when a balloon pops, they're not in tears. Not because they have just totally ignored their central nervous system, but because they have been in an environment with you where they have been allowed to experience that scary thing and recover and learn that while it may be surprising and shocking, it's the perception of danger. There is no true danger. Your central nervous system doesn't learn that on its own. That's your job as a human. You are the parent of your central nervous system, this central nervous system that has been caring for you since before your brain came on board. I really hope that these categories, that you find some resonance within them that will enable you to move into your future as the architect, because your future is incredible and it really gets to be whatever it is that you want it to be. I'll speak to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope very much that you did, don't forget to hit subscribe so all future episodes get automatically downloaded to your listening platform. And come hang out with me over on Instagram. 
My handle is at Sally Hardy underscore coach. 